Hello and welcome to another jam-packed episode of BJ Shea's Board Game Alliance. I am your host, Joey. Grigorously growing games to get good gamers. D's. Close, you stumbled on that first word. No! But, you know, valiant so effort, sir. <laughs> A minus. I'll give it to you. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> of course, with me is Josh Utley of the Omega Gamers. Hey, how's it going? Good. And Sean Emerson, our favorite nemesis of Thing 12 Games. Oh, hey, hey. And unfortunately, Vicky B is on assignment, so you're stuck with just us today. Just us. Or should I say just us plus two, because we have a great interview with us as well today. But Josh, before that, how can the Rock Hogs get a hold of us? Oh, they can always go to bjgeeknation.com, find all the plod, plod, blogs, or the podcast, (laughs) blogs, interviews, videos, links, and more. More. Just search for us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, or odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. And Sean and Josh, without further ado, I see we have our interview with us today, two of the best Adams that I know, joining us from Game to Grow, one of the coolest nonprofit organizations that we've had the pleasure of interacting with. You guys, I mean, do some great work for some kids. Adam Davis and Adam Johns, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, Game to Grow, obviously, if you want to tell a little bit of the listeners who haven't uh, listened to us before, what you guys do with things like Dungeons & Dragons and board games, you help kids, actually, yes? Yeah, so Game to Grow is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the use of games of all kinds for therapeutic, educational, and community growth. But most primarily, we're really well known for using role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons to help kids and teens and adults build social capacities and social flourishing, all intentionally using the game as as a form of intervention. And that's awesome. And you get the kids going, essentially, interacting with uh, kind of like a small community at first, I'm sure, including yourselves, yes? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and it's great because it's, it's this amazing opportunity for them to build these positive social connections, especially for kids that are really socially isolated, especially right now with, with all the things still going on with pandemic and, and, and things like that, that it's a chance for kids to connect with other, other peers, with other opportunities, and to build those positive so- social connections that we often have in role-playing games that we love to, to have in our own experiences with role-playing games, that we get to then intentionally help them build those skills through the game. And one of the things that's that's different about now, you know, we've been coming on, on the show for a while now. Um, Adam and I started doing this about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, actually. Oh, my gosh, Josh, 11 old. years. Um, and we used to just serve kids, right? Um, we, a lot of our language we use is still like we help kids. Sometimes we say kids and teens, but some of those kids and teens we've been playing with for six, seven years. So they're young adults now. And so what we realized is that it's not just kids. We can actually serve people throughout the lifespan using the kinds of intentional games we're playing with. We had, we had talked to Dr. Elizabeth briefly at PAX, and she had mentioned working with veterans. Oh, yeah. Um, we've had this amazing opportunity to really see not only in our own work where we can connect with uh, adults, where we can connect with all sorts of other perspectives and, and life paths, but also connecting with people around the U.S. And, and sometimes around the world about the different work that they're doing, whether that be uh, family work using games and, and veterans and, and working with all sorts of groups um, from all sorts of perspectives, including in prisons and, and t- talking to people who are using it with um, older populations who are, who are in rest homes and things like that. Um, for helping them to build those those positive social connections all through through the power games, and I think as Elizabeth said when y'all interviewed her was she's worked with age eight to eighty six, so uh, her and and Dr. Jared Kilmer both when we, we they joined the Game to Grow team 
few years ago, and they were running games with veterans in the VA in Texas for a few years before they came to Game to Grow. So there's there's a the proof of concept is so big at this point about how we can use games to improve people's lives. That's awesome. Um, you guys seemed pre-built for post-pandemic <laughs> <laughs> because it, it had to be so hard for for the younger uh, people you help to. You're coming out of your shell. You're coming out of your shell. You're working. And then suddenly, stop. Oh, yeah. So now on this side of it, you're there. You're already there. So that's a blessing. You know, a lot of really interesting effects happened over the course of the pandemic for us. Um, Some of our participants definitely really took huge steps backwards. But we actually had a surprising number of participants in groups who, who actually were already doing homeschooling or already doing sort of remote schooling. And the impact of the pandemic on them was not very significant, which is in many ways really challenging to watch because it meant that they had so little social outreach, so little social network that they they weren't impacted very much by the by the pandemic itself. But one of the impacts that it had for us as an organization is we suddenly opened up our services to being entirely online. Uh, in fact, it was like a two-week period d- during the whole scramble when the pandemic first started happening that we were like, oh, my gosh, for safety reasons, we have to close all of our in-person groups and convert all of them into online groups. But it opened the door. We suddenly started getting people from other states and other countries that were interested in, in seeing those services. And we basically tripled in size wow. in, over the course of like six months or something. And when we first, you know, we had 50, I think 50 participants. We had 50, um, some of them were in Tacoma, some were in Bellevue, some were in various parts of Seattle. But we'd had waiting lists around the country for years because people had seen the kind of impact of the work and they really wanted us to maybe open a brick and mortar in Denver or in, in the Bay Area or something like that. So then we ha- had these people sort of on our waiting list, basically, on our mailing list for, you know, cross your fingers, someday we can franchise or something. But then when we went virtual, like Adam was saying, we we did it as a triage. We were not sure what was going to happen next. And we all kind of thought, OK, it's going to be two weeks. OK, it's going to be a month. Right. And here we are three years later. But what we realized is that we were no longer bound by geography. And we could have people in the same group together from various parts of the country or various parts of the world. Um, One of our team members, Michael, runs a group where he has a kid in Australia and some kids on the East Coast and the West Coast all playing together, right? So, like, this idea of the reach and the community we can build with games has just become so much more uh, impactful than we ever could have imagined. Like, when, when we were kids, I remember I had a pen pal. Who was in Chicago and yes. I was in Texas and I was like, wow, Chicago, that's so far away. And you wait like three weeks to hear back from <laughs> right? And now we have participants who are like saving the world, right, with, with other adventurers from other parts of the world with, you know, th- their various experiences. Like, wow, what, what time it is? is it there? It's morning time there, uh, right? They're just the, the idea of that happening in real time while they're playing a game is really tremendous. Yeah, it's wild how many people all of a sudden connected on the internet in a different way than they ever thought possible, joining like even a Discord room or something like that. And to your point, all of a sudden everyone connecting all at once in a way. So you're actually getting a chance to like not only experience like um, the different kind of personalities from different people, but also like whole different viewpoints because people are located in different, you know, different countries and raised in different ways. So that's is that... Uh, getting a much, yeah, a much yeah. bigger, broader cultural experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, it's it's amazing to watch 
individuals who are um, uh, once again like struggle to make friends or, or, or don't have much of a social circle and now getting a chance to be exposed to and, and interact with uh, wonderful other cultures from other parts of the country or other parts of the world uh, within their group and it, it really comes in in all these subtle ways when you're when you're playing games because we are of the belief that you when you're playing a role-playing game when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons you bring in huge parts of yourself into your character and into the role-playing experience that you almost cannot help to do you you bring in a part of who you are into the character that you play whether you like it or not and we see that all the time in our groups as a as an expression of play, as an expression of the way that people um, incorporate themselves into their characters. And one of the things that's that's kind of unique about the way that we build our groups is we build the groups very intentionally, where the participants can learn from each other. And it used to be when we were you know, running groups just in person, we had the youth in Tacoma, where the youth we could build a group from, right? Because there's a lot of things we can learn from groups, right? It's not that we want all of our participants to have the same challenges. Sometimes we can learn best from people who have very different life experiences than we do, right? So, like, we have a, a participant who struggles to take appropriate risks. They're kind of shy, a little, little withdrawn, a little held back. Another participant struggles with impulsivity. Well, those two kids can really learn from each other, oh, yeah. right? So we have someone who's always getting, you know, the character's always jumping in, always getting into trouble, and maybe there's something they can learn from about maybe I should hold back. They can learn from that, you know, reserved player. Like, oh, their hit points are always higher than my hit points. <laughs> oh, man. And, the, you know, the reserved player can learn from the impulsive player. Like, oh, man, that spotlight kind of always follows that character. That, that character always gets, like, the highlights at the end of the session. Wow, that player moved the plot forward a little bit, right? Those two players can learn from each other. And when we were, we were just restricted by the geographic region, we had, you know, just Tacoma, but also just North Tacoma with parents that could drive their kids at a certain time. But now that we're online, we can build those groups together and we no longer have transportation issues because parents don't have to drive their kids to the program. But we also have a lot of accessibility supports. Because everything's virtual. Oh, so if anyone needs to grab, you know, at a random time of the day, say 3 p.m., like, hey, I just want to see if anyone's around to do something or I need help with this, you're there essentially. And, and, and not only that, but like the, the virtual space, there's, there's headphones, there's microphone supports, there's chat. So there's all these things that the participants can use. There's, we also have a lot of participants who, you know, they move their bodies around. They sometimes have nonverbal or non, non-communicative verbal sounds that they make and things like that. So there's all kinds of ways that the, the online space can support their engagement. We actually had a participant who became nonverbal, as, as you know, some of our participants do at times, and their, their parent was able to come in and be the voice for their character. So the player was, was using a um, text feature to show their parent what they wanted their character to say, and the parent could then verbalize what their character was saying. So the, the whole group could still participate. This parent got to, like, be the voice for their child in the group and, like, really see the way that the group works, right? All that's only possible because of the online medium we're playing with now. Oh, yeah, oh, and, awesome. you know, they're at home, so it makes sense because then their parent, you know, might have to be at home for any reason, and then they get to join in when they wouldn't normally. Exactly. Wow, that is amazing. I mean... It's a whole new world, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can imagine you guys are learning a lot. Like, it, uh, it's just, just amazing work, really. <laughs> and it also opens it up for people that have mobility issues. Like, maybe they can't get out of their house because of, you know, various reasons. Or, you know, there's some sort of restriction that keeps them from going someplace. Like, that, now they're able to be a part of that as well. As well as, like, the emotional space of it. If you are feeling overwhelmed by the things that are happening outside, often your house is your safe space. Right. Um, yeah. And that helps yeah. create 
the group as a safe space for you as well. So now you can feel a little bit more comfortable to be able to speak in voices or to be able to put a little bit more into your character or be a little bit more engaged in the game where you might struggle with that out, you know, if you had to travel to strange locations or, or, or get out of your house in a way that made you very uncomfortable. Absolutely. We also have some participants that, that they literally have a trampoline in their room that they play with us. And they can go jump on a trampoline for a little bit and, and regulate, yeah. right? Get nice. some of that energy and, and put it into movement and all that stuff. We've never run a group with a trampoline in the room. Well, yeah. We should. Right? We've, we have had yoga you know, yoga balls for a kid to sit on to, to, to kind of bounce a little bit. But the yeah. kind of supports we can, we can allow them to have just because they already have them. They don't have to bring themselves. Well, speaking of new supports, the last time we talked to you guys, you just launched a Kickstarter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so much grayer. Now. <laughs> well, tell us about it. How did it go? So uh, I guess this was 2019, right? Yes. Was that, was that yep. the case? Oh, my gosh. It was a lifetime ago. It was a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, in 2019, we launched a Kickstarter for uh, a, a box kit called Critical Core. And Critical Core um, is a take-home box kit designed to help people get started with role-playing games with everything you need to get to play the game, even if you've never, ever played before, and a stripped-down, easy-to-understand set of rules um, designed to get you into role-playing games, even even as the game master. So even if you are, like, I've never even watched a game of role-playing games before, but I've always been interested in that thing people have talked about, this is the kit. This is the way to get you started with it. And the whole thing is designed with the same sort of approach that we use within our groups to help build social capacity and social flourishing. So it's not necessarily designed to be therapy. Um, It's designed for something that parents can use at home with their kids or that you can play in a social group and still have a great time with. But it does have, it sort of points in the direction to help uh, provide supports around neurodiversity and around building uh, positive social interaction between players. Adam and I were keynote presenters at the Washington Association of Marriage and Family Therapy a few years ago, and we really had this uh, this kind of revelation because we gave a presentation about the therapeutic modalities we use to help people you know, learn, grow, and change through these games. And then we had this auditorium full of therapists that was like, oh, yes, I want to do that. How can we do that? And at the time, we were like, well, I guess you could go to a board game store and or you maybe watch some YouTube, but this was kind of before you know the the rev, you know revolution of play you know watch, watching people play on YouTube. So we're like, go to a board game store and pick up a book. It's like fifty bucks. Read it, uh, and then find some people to play with. I guess maybe find a, like <laughs> yeah. a supportive group who can teach you how to play. And then you know, six months or so later, maybe then you could start using it in your certain. You know, maybe that maybe that's what you should do. And so what we realized is that the the therapeutic approach to tabletop role playing games is one part of it, but this other part was was understanding the structure of a tabletop role-playing game to begin with. So with with Critical Core, we wanted to do all of that in one box, right? So we have our approach to tabletop role-playing games, the therapeutic application of the Game to Grow method, but then we also have a simplified rule set. John's designed this amazing simplified rule set. The the way that we play, you know, D&D in our groups is very simplified because the, the, the deep structure of the game, those of us that have played for 15, 20 years, maybe more, um... <laughs> It, we like the crunch, right? We like, like, oh, when I get to level 12, I'm going to get this particular feat or whatever. And our brand new players or brand new game masters don't need that. They don't care about that. What works for them is that kind of authentic relational social play that comes from, you know, sitting in a circle and making up a story together. So John's took out so much of the, 
the fluff in the game to just really make it simple, straightforward. Um, John's was playing at PAX West um, this last time. Got a lot of great feedback from great game designers that were like, this is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> this, wow. is, this is the kind of tabletop role-playing game experience that people need to have to get into tabletop role-playing games. Because there's so much to TTRPGs that are, if, you're, if your experience is Monopoly or Sorry or Uno, <laughs> right, you're going to need like, whoa, there's a game master? Right? Yeah. That's the kind of fundamental, fun, fun, fundamental level we're getting at with brand new therapists or brand new teachers or parents who've never played this kind of game before. And the intent behind Critical Core is really supposed to be a launching pad. You know, our, our belief is that games of all kinds have this power, this opportunity for, for growth and impact and positivity in your lives. And we just want to see people playing more games. And so we designed Critical Core really with, with a lot of intent of like, this is a great introduction. And it does have a lot of tools for, for experienced game masters to maybe enhance your game. Um, but it's really designed to be a space where you can learn the game and then you can launch off into another another role-playing game, into another system, help get you introduced into the world of role-playing games so you can take it even further. And people really shouldn't confuse simplified with basic because the art on this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looks you incredible. Guys, I, a lot of money went to art because I was looking through it. The characters are amazing. You guys did a phenomenal job. I mean, it really was a lot. It was so much work. <laughs> it also it also weighs like five pounds. It's so heavy uh, because we put so much stuff in it. It has dice and maps and and GM screen and and character sheets and all of these things. Um, but you know, so much of it was that we really wanted something you could hand to somebody, and and it doesn't look. Um, it doesn't look too, like you said, it doesn't look too simple. The art is, is beautiful and evocative, and it gives you all of the wonderful sort of fantasy um, uh, opportunities to be engaged with the game. But it also gives you everything you need. It's all right there, ready to go, so that you can jump in and, and immediately be a part of this, this whole experience. And with, with stories specifically designed so that you can you can flip through and play through them even if the game master doesn't necessarily know what happens next in the story it's all designed so that so that somebody who is really really new to the whole experience can jump in and start playing it that's amazing. It's incredible. It's like growing your own world out of a box kind of a thing. Yeah. Ironically, with games to grow. I'm sure that you know, to grow. It's for that, you know, intentional. But I, I mean, I always said that about D&D. It's always so fun, but the prep work is always so difficult because if you've never even looked at a character sheet before, you just see numbers. And you lose that sort of creativity and that bond you want to have with your friends. And even if you sit down, it's hours before any of you really make a decision. But one box that will not only provide you with worlds, but then also just a very like creative and inviting uh, sheet to look at. And I mean, it sounds like a great idea. Uh, you guys really nailed it. <laughs> well, we had a team behind us as well. So, uh, so Adam and I worked on this pro pro this project with Virginia Spielman, who took a big um, had a lot of influence on the final product. Gavin Chang had a, who did the design work for us, based out of Hong Kong. We actually had an international team um, nice. building building Critical Core. It was an international conspiracy. And <laughs> I'll also say, you know, uh, the Kickstarter took three years. It's finally finally out. Um, and part of the reason for that was we we needed to get it right. It needed to be something that could really deliver and we went we went through a lot of design phases we went through a mm -hmm. lot of like like figuring out this piece and how is this going to be received by people and how is this going to be um uh, played through what is the play experience of this going to be and a lot of the pieces like the character sheets are specifically designed with those with those ideas in mind where are you going to look 
first in the character sheet? Where are you going to go when you're trying to find a certain bit of information? And everything is done with that with that very, very intentional layout design uh, in all of the pieces of it. And that's that was a, a huge part of the, the material creation in the first place. So if someone is interested in finding out more about this, like, hey, I want to pick this up. This sounds really cool. How do they get it? They can go to criticalcore.org. Um, that that is right now. You can get the digital kit at criticalcore.org. One of the things that we realized is the, that five pound box is fantastic for people who need dice and tokens and cards and all those things. That some people kind of want to just get started with the digital kit. All of the the approach that we bring to it, the story modules that have what we call the dots system of narrative construction. All of that's in the digital kit. All that's at criticalcore.org right now. Our physical kits will be for sale in early October. Oh, oh, wow. Just sure. in time for Halloween. You, yeah. can, you, can, you can sign up for the newsletter at criticalcore.org and be told when we launch that. Very cool. So, and, and like if someone is like, hey, I'm in therapy, me, I can talk to my therapist, they can also go there and get that same information, right? Oh, even better. Um, because part of the Kickstarter was actually that we wanted to make it available so that people could say, I like this idea, but it's not a thing that I personally need in my life. And so people could back at a level where they were donating kits to good causes. So if you happen to have a therapist and you, you say, oh, my therapist should have this in their practice, uh, or you know, a clinic or a library or a school, and you say, oh, man, I want this to exist out in those worlds, also go to, go to criticalcore.org. Um, Get to the, to the to the contact page um, and send us a message because we still have kits available for that um, where we can uh, get those donated to to good places that can make good use of that. I mean that is again we're we're a nonprofit and, and we do uh, make revenue from Critical Core that we get to put back into the services that we have. But a huge part of it is just that we believe in this idea and we believe in the power of games and we want to get it into more places, into more schools, into more clinics, all of those places. And that's been, I think, one of the, the awesome things about Critical Core for us is we launched it as a Kickstarter because our, our vision as a nonprofit is to get games out there in the world, right? We, Like Adam said, we really believe that the more games being played intentionally, the better. But Critical Core has also been this launch pad for our training program where we have, we've brought in therapists and educators and you know, game store um, employees and things like that to, to come in and learn how we run our games, the way that we run our games. And we've now had a couple of hundred therapists also from around the world who have learned the, the kinds of approaches that we use to tabletop role-playing games. And we've had people from you know, even, even more parts around the world come to our training program to learn about the kinds of foundations of Critical Core than even come to our groups. We've had people in Dublin and Malta and parts of South America and Australia, all over the world who have pulled all-nighters to join our you know, six-hour Zoom session to talk about how to, how to implement these games in an intentional way. Yeah, that's crazy and amazing. I mean, I, I was thinking about that, the responsiveness of uh, uh, therapists outside of your, you know, your nonprofit and how they respond to this idea of therapy through gaming. Just because when I was younger and I went through therapy, I mean, I never got to play any games. And I had the guy, I had the stereotypical, think of a beach and then tell me some stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> this really isn't working for me. I, I'm not, I don't make any connection. I feel nothing. So do, do you guys get a lot of that now? I mean, you were just at a couple hundred ther- uh, therapists and uh, other you know counselors and stuff like that. What about schools and stuff that are, are they, you able to reach out and make that connection? We have a lot. And part of, part of what's fantastic about organizations and conventions like PAX is we get a lot of exposure through Emerald City Comic Con PAX, so the PAXs we go to around the country. And the exposure there has been so good that we've had teachers go, I had this idea but didn't know that I could do this. Like I, I never knew that it was possible. So then we 
invite them to our training program. We have a lot of scholarships for teachers. We just had uh, Foundry 10, local nonprofit Foundry 10, sponsored an educator training recently. So we have we were able to provide 30-something teachers access to training thanks to Foundry 10. So there's a, there's a it's we're, it's a sea change right now yeah. because even yeah. when Adam and I started, you know, a decade ago, we two things have happened. One is we had a lot more resistance back then, a lot more like, "Are you sure about this?" Oh yeah. Um, and so we get less of that, but we also get like, "Oh yeah, of course." Oh, interesting. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of gamers, especially, go to we go to PAX now, and you know when we were first kind of like really working to convince people, right? Because yeah. we grew up with similar kinds of, of, <laughs> of <laughs> therapists. They were like, I don't know about this gaming thing. Yeah. But now those gamers are therapists, and oh, the therapists wow. yeah. are gamers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have people come to us and they're like, oh, yeah, of course, it's intentional role play. Yeah. Well, of yeah. course yeah. you use tabletop role play. Games <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Of course um, it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's a benefit of having done this for so long. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so amazing. I mean, I really do love it. I think it's such a great idea. And I hope that it, it really, you know, catches more fire. I mean, you guys, 3X since the last time we talked to you. I mean, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you know, the critical core already, you know, kicking off and coming to stores in October. And I love the digital copy. I'm a man who's on his computer too much as it is. <laughs> Um, but before we I'll let you go, you did to talk about going to PAX and ECCC. Do you guys do demoing? Do you do stuff there, or do you walk around and just enjoy? Um, yeah, actually, we almost always have a table in uh, usually like a nonprofit lounge if there is one of any kind. Um, but we also like to team up with sometimes the tabletop areas and stuff like that. Um, so especially like uh, most of the North American PAXs, we, we're, we're usually at those, um, as well as like most of the cons in the Seattle area, just because we don't have to travel very far for those. Um, and we always love to talk about just our mission and, and, and the services that we're, we're currently involved in, the projects that we do. Adam and I have an unhealthy uh, problem with getting new projects, <laughs> new projects <laughs> going and new ideas off the ground and stuff like that. But it uh, works well for the, for the setting that we're in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but we also now are running demos. We're now doing demos of Critical Core um, and working with uh, stores to get Critical Core into stores, into retail stores, so that we can start having more people having having that access to them, as well as like starting to work with stores to to do stuff like running demos in their stores or running them at cons and things like that. And you know, we talked a lot about how much Game to Grow has grown. We also have a, a huge team now. The last time we were here, I think we were like a two, three, four person team, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, one of the nice things about cons now is that one of our team members, Maya Nordrum, takes a lot of the leadership about setting up the table, making all of that happen. So Adam and I aren't at the table the entire con like oh, yeah. we used to be. We have team members who, we have board members who volunteer, uh, team members who volunteer to run those games. Hayden ran games, Arthur ran games, a bunch of people uh, from our team were there running. Adam, I, I uh, saw you running a game. To, I, ran, I ran a to game these last packs, yeah. Um, but I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Awesome. Um, I can I can walk around and get to get to see it's, the con a little bit. It's more. actually so funny because the organization has grown enough um, uh, that pr- we've we've always been known as the Adams uh, in this in this small little 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 area in this in this field that we're in. Uh, but the organization has grown enough that people are starting to recognize Game to Grow. Uh, instead of Adam and I, which is which is perfect. That's 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 you know, in many ways, our dream is to is to make the name of Game to Grow bigger uh, and more impactful than than what we we the two of us can do on our own. Um, but I ran the game of Critical Core, and they were like, "Wow, I really like some of the intentional design in this game. I think the creators really really thought this through." And I'm like, "Yes, they did." Sleepless nights, thinking about one little word in a paragraph in a line. <laughs> yeah, right.
So we mentioned cons and PAXs and other places you guys have been able to really launch off Critical Core and get to interact with people. Are there any other places that it really uh, hits home somewhere that uh, you wouldn't have thought of originally, maybe? Well, speaking of the things we've only been able to do in the digital era, we've had for, for many, many years a desire to get games like the way that we run them into hospitals. We've had some, some contacts around the country who work for hospitals, um, a lot of positions paid for by Child's Play Charity, who are in hospitals that really wanted to leverage tabletop role-playing games the way that we do it. But, you know, we've not been able to go to San Antonio, Texas to, you know, implement yeah. that program. Once a week. <laughs> um, but now that everything's virtual, we reached out to Alexander, who we, we know who's a, a patient tech specialist in San Antonio. And we were like, you know what? We could do this now. Um, we can do this all virtually. So for the last year or so, we've been running Critical Core in hospitals in San Antonio, and Alexander will go around the hospital and talk to the kids and, and you know pitch them <laughs> on Critical Core, and then pops an iPad on the hospital bed. They can they can play without leaving their hospital room, without leaving their hospital bed. We can we we teach the game, run the game, and process the game all in ninety minutes. Wow! With sometimes one kid, sometimes six kids, just depends on who's there, and sometimes the kids can get can receive treatment. While they're playing the game with us, there'll be a nurse come in, do a little bit of treatment. Sometimes the participants are un- undergoing treatments while they're playing. They're w- wearing oxygen mask and still be able to roll dice and help the great Garganoff save the world from the evil <laughs> wizard Malvin. Yes. Agents of chaos. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I never even thought of that, but it's a perfect spot. I mean, they, they want a distraction and, you know, you never know what's going on when you're in a hospital. So and then you provide that and they get to connect with people while they have to be stuck in a hospital bed or something. Well, especially in, in the COVID era, right? There, yes. There's been yes. less visitors allowed. There's less social spaces for the kids to go to the you know the playroom or even, you know, there are video games that are brought in for the kids to play, which is awesome. And I'm 100% in support of that. But they don't get a lot of face-to-face communication, right? Especially with other kids who are also sometimes struggling with the same things that they're struggling with. So now that they can see each other's faces on a box, you know, we, we, when we process the game at the end, We've had participants say stuff like, I, I feel so much less alone now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that makes complete sense. And plus, the, like you said, just an iPad in 90 minutes. And, yeah. and you can really change a lot of that, that uh, emotional state that they're in. So we, we started in San Antonio, and now we're running groups at Seattle Children's Hospital here in Seattle in our, in our backyard, thanks to some connections we've made through Child's Play, through Garrett, uh, who works at Seattle Children's Hospital. And then we've, now we have other connections at the Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, Texas, C.S. Mott in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So there's, uh, this is our, our new, <laughs> new, Denver too. new project. So we're, you know, maybe the next time we'll, we're on here, we'll tell you about our Oh, yeah. Conquering the world. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to hear those stories. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Well, Adam Davis, Adam Johns, thank you so much for joining us. Two of the coolest guys around working on the best nonprofit for D&D and board games. Again, thank you so much for coming in. It's been amazing talking to you. Your growth, well, your game to grow has grown immensely, and I love it. And uh, that's uh, gametogrow.org. And criticalcore.org, correct? Yep. That is right. And if you're interested in our training program, we actually have a new cohort model for our training program that starts very soon. So check out gametogrow.org, and we have uh, some spots still available in that training. So check it out. Awesome. Thank you, guys.
Yeah, thank thanks you. so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Those guys are always so great to have in studio. Again, a big shout out to Adam and Adam. Sean, before we go, I hear we have a Kickstarter we have to mention. We're going to jump into some Kickstarter goodness. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Uh, the first one, well, the first one, the one that we're going to talk about is the latest from Shem Phillips and Garfield Games. Now, Josh, you have a favorite Garfield Games? Raiders of Scythia. Raiders of Scythia is a very Ooh. good one. Raider of the North Sea, that's another great one. Architects of the West Kingdom. Uh, they're known for really great worker placement games. Well, this one is a worker placement as well. This one is a little different, though. This is a completely solo game. So this is called Legacy of You. Again, this is going to be on Kickstarter. Uh, it's going to be ending on September 15th. Now, Legacy of You, you're going to be building canals. You're going to be repelling barbarians. And you're trying to rise to fame in ancient China. Uh, the base game for this is $43, and they're currently at uh, 183K Whoa. of their 14K <laughs> goal. So, yeah, they're smashing through all of their stretch goals and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of really cool content to this. Um, and like I said, the the base game, to, well, the game to back is $43. You'll actually get a number of different promos for some of their other games, which is really cool. So if you're looking for a really... Uh, uh, a thanky uh, solo game that's really going to like challenge you and and you know have that really cool uh, uh, thinkiness going on. This is a good one to check out for sure. Legacy of You, Why You. And how long do they have on that Kickstarter? This Kickstarter ends on September fifteenth. Ooh, so they got to go on there and get it now. Yeah, get in there soon and do it because you're going to get more than one game. It sounds like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note. I think it's time to wrap up the episode. Again, a big special shout out to Adam Adam and game to grow GameToGrow.org and CriticalCore.org if you want to learn more about what they've got going on. And Josh? Play nice. 